Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. I really want us to shift our attentions to God's appointed times. How many of you were here Friday night for Pastor's Great Shabbat service? Uh, This is one of the appointed times on God's divine calendar. And so on Friday night, we celebrated the Great Shabbat, Shabbat Haggadol. Uh, And today, uh, we celebrate Palm Sunday. And these are two special days that precede Passover and Resurrection Sunday. And it all adds up to something good. All right? It's a a time where God wants to uh, pour out on you and I a special dispensation of salvation. Salvation just isn't going to heaven. Part of the, the meaning of salvation is down on the ground while we're still around. Jesus will build us in wisdom, in anointing, with favor, with blessing, so that we can overcome in every area of life. Who likes the idea of being an overcomer? Amen. And so, uh, get ready for God to do something supernatural in your life uh, in these next days ahead. And so instead of uh, studying in Leviticus, I want to get into some of the prophetic secrets that are hidden in these two special days, holy days, Great Shabbat and Palm Sunday. And hopefully we'll walk away today with a better understanding of God's prophetic plan. And uh, we can all uh, use a little more insight on where we are on God's calendar Uh, How the appointed times, the Feast of the Lord, they point to the first coming and second coming of the Lord. And so what most of us haven't realized is that the original Palm Sunday, when Jesus entered Jerusalem on His way to the cross, was originally celebrated as the Great Shabbat. There are two different holidays uh, in Judaism, Christianity, but in reality, just like Pentecost and uh, Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, they're the same holiday. And uh, and so uh, this uh, is the day, Palm Sunday, when Jesus revealed Himself to Israel as the Passover Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. So, uh, But 1,500 years before Jesus came, there was an original Palm Sunday, although it wasn't a Palm Sunday, it was a great Shabbat. Uh, but it, in both cases... What happened on this day is that uh, the people of God were to choose their unblemished sacrificial lamb for Passover. Uh, Now through 
uh, uh, the, uh, the times after Jesus, Christianity wanting to separate itself from Judaism moved uh, uh, Palm Sunday to Sunday, Palm Sunday. But both holidays are really one and the same, and they're uh, prophetic events. And uh, there's a lot of uh, hidden things, secrets, mysteries uh, hidden in these times. So for Jews, it became a great Shabbat because what happened on that day set in motion the greatest miracle Israel has ever seen, the Exodus, the first great redemption. For Christians, it sets in motion the passion of the Christ and the second great redemption with Jesus uh, dying on the cross and uh, resurrecting uh, on the third day. Uh, But both events are related. And together, these events actually point to the final redemption, which both Jew and Christian are anticipating. How many of you here today are anticipating the coming of the Lord? For the Jew, they're anticipating the first coming of the Messiah. For the Christian, we're anticipating the second uh, coming of the Messiah. So uh, I want to go into a little bit of background uh, into the great Shabbat, Shabbat Haggadol. Uh, And for 3,400 years, uh, since God brought Israel out of Egypt uh, and the very first Passover, this has been a a divine date on the Jewish calendar, on the Bible calendar. 3,400 years later, Jews are still honoring the Passover. Uh, That's quite a streak. That's quite a win streak. 3,400 to nothing. And so, next to the uh, uh, death and resurrection Uh, of the Lord. This is the greatest story ever told. How many of you last night watched the Ten Commandments? Charlton Heston. You know, it was made in the 50s, but I I watched it last night, and I still am moved in my spirit. Uh, Look what the Lord has done. And what God did then, He's still doing today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, uh, the great Shabbat uh, speaks about the events leading up to the actual uh, celebration of the first Passover and Israel leaving Egypt. And uh, what makes this special is this is a divine moment. Israel is obeying what's deemed to be the very first commandment, covenant commandment, that God gives uh, Israel. Take for yourselves a lamb. And they responded with acts of faith. Amen. They did take the Passover lambs, and they did spread the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of their house. And all of this was a sign and uh, symbolic of their pledge of allegiance to the lamb. Amen. It was their declaration and commitment that I am going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. How many of you still make that declaration today? As for my life, my family, everyone under uh, the roof of my house, we're going to serve the Lord in this house. Yes, amen. So, 
All of this set in motion the greatest miracle the Jewish people have ever had, the Exodus. Uh, And this is the last Shabbat uh, that the Jews celebrate uh, in Egypt. And it's the first Shabbat that they really celebrate as a nation. God's bringing them from just being slaves and from the uh, tribal family uh, scenario into, I am bringing you into a place, the land that flows with milk and honey, so you can be my prototype nation uh, to the nations of the world. So uh, what we've taught so far reveals a divine principle. And it's a principle that is still meant to produce results today. How many of you know that uh, following God and serving the Lord, obeying His commandments, following His instructions, still produce signs, wonders, and miracles today? And God's miracle breakthrough power is always preceded by an instruction. Sometimes we miss this. When's God going to do something? Well, many times God has given you instructions and He's waiting for you to act on those instructions. That's called obedience. And once that happens, it sets in motion the breakthrough miracle that we talk about all the time. Israel obeyed what God told them to do. Take for yourselves a lamb. And as a result, they experienced a phenomenal level of breakthrough, right? Salvation, deliverance, protection, prosperity, all the things that come with the Passover blessing. Now, uh, going deeper into Great Shabbat, uh, you may have known this, that the ancient uh, Egyptians worshipped many things, a pantheon of gods. Uh, And they worship sheep. Uh, And when they learned that the Hebrew slaves were taking lambs by the thousands for sacrifice, that got their attention. It's like Vince Lombardi said when his Green Bay Packers weren't having uh, a, a very good time out on the football field. What the heck is going on out there? Egypt considered this blasphemy. But instead of Israel receiving backlash and persecution, God supernaturally protected them from any harm. This is on the great Shabbat and the events that followed. The the Egyptian slaveholders were powerless. Someone say powerless. Powerless to stop God's plan of redemption. And ancient literature actually tells us that the Egyptian firstborn, having seen the previous nine plagues, they kind of brought this out a little bit in the movie The Ten Commandments, the Egyptian firstborn actually rebelled against Pharaoh in what literature calls the war of the firstborn. So here you see that the principle that we learn in Proverbs, God is actually able to make your enemies to be at peace with you. Amen? All of this lays a spiritual foundation 
for what we celebrate as Palm Sunday, but uh, what really originally was the great Shabbat. It's a, it's a picture. It's meant to be. This is where we need to be able to see what God is saying, apply it to our own lives in a spiritual way. It's a picture of the believer's authority. Oh, that I wish that every member of our church, people watching by Zoom, that we would realize that Jesus died, yes, to get us to heaven, forgive us of our sins, but He also died to give us power over the enemy. I have come that you would have life, and that life more abundantly. And the Bible declares again and again, the authority, the dominion that you have as a believer in the Lord Jesus. It's a spiritual precedent that was set 3,400 years ago that is still meant to be in effect today. That I walk in power. I walk in anointing. I walk knowing I'm more than a conqueror, an overcomer. That greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. That it's my Father's good pleasure to give me the kingdom that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of me. I've got resurrection power. Nice to know that. Glad somebody mentioned that. That I just don't have to stand by and watch the devil run rampant over my life, over my health, over my finances, over my family, over my future. I can fight back. I can put on the weapons of my warfare and fight back. This is all what's going on in the great Shabbat. And when we make our own covenant commitment to the Lord, we're entering in to all that we're talking about today. Divine protection, amazing grace, divine favor, overflowing blessing. When we follow God's instructions, how come it's not working? We probably missed an instruction or two along the way. But God has a plan. God has divine principles. And one of those principles is I have given you superior spiritual authority in every battle that you're fighting against the devil. Yeah, come on. How many of you all want to walk in more faith? Want to walk in more power? Want to walk as more than a conqueror? Being able to declare and you know that you know that you know that you know no weapon formed against me will prosper. Every fiery dart of the enemy is going to be quenched by my shield of faith. I will tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, Jesus declared over his church. And, and nothing shall by in any means hurt you. we got to contend for that. We're fighting the good fight of faith. We're using these stories in the Bible not just for Hanna-Barbera's sake or Looney Tunes' sake. These are things that have happened to encourage us at 
certain times on God's calendar so that we fan the flame of faith in our spirit and build ourselves up in our most holy faith knowing that nothing is impossible for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Turn and tell somebody, I reclaim my spiritual authority. Come on. Praise God. So on the great Shabbat, the Lord enters into Jerusalem through the eastern gate. Right now the eastern gate's all walled up and there's a, uh, another religion cemetery right in front of it. They don't believe in the Messiah, but just in case, let's wall up the eastern gate and put a cemetery in front of it just in case all these biblical prophecies in the Bible are true. Our Bible says in Ezekiel, one day the Lord is going to come back and set His feet on the Mount of Olives and He's going to come into Jerusalem as a conquering king and He's going to come through the eastern gate. May we be alive to see that day. Even if we're not, we'll get to see the replay. (laughs) So uh, on this very day, the temple priests would lead the Passover sacrifice through the streets of the city to the temple where they would examine uh, the lamb for four days. This is the... Uh, the instruction that goes all the way back to the very first Passover. Uh, And it was tradition for the people to line the streets like a parade. They gathered by the multitudes. It's Passover. It's the appointed time. It's the season of the Passover firstfruits. And they're gathered there to celebrate the selection of the Passover lamb, small l. But then Jesus came riding in on a donkey at the very same time and the people connected the dots. Amen? Jesus is the promised Messiah, they shouted. They, all these shouts of Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! They laid out the palm branches. They were celebrating the coming of their victorious King. We've been under oppression. We've, Rome has been oppressing us. And before that, all these occupiers have come to uh, put us in bondage. And now all of a sudden, this long-anticipated uh, coming of the king is going to change the story. It's going to turn things upside down. And finally, we're going to live in victory. We know these shouts were soon countered by the elite. We don't have elite anymore in the world, but back then there were elites who knew what was best for everybody. And they were very powerful. And they were not having any of this. Most people think all of Israel rejected Jesus. Myriads of Jews believed. According to the book of Acts. 
But these uh, few select leaders that were appointed by Rome disputed and contradicted, opposed and threatened the people in order to retain their power and authority. That would never happen in modern times. In time, they squelched the revival. And they caused many ordinary people to struggle to understand what happened. And it was further complicated because Israel had always been focused on the promise of the conquering king. They were always looking for the conquering king because they were always seemingly oppressed and someone was always occupying Israel. And so they misunderstood the prophecies of the Lord who would first come, as Isaiah 53 teaches, as a suffering servant. They never considered or they forgot, however that, you will, I guess when we get to heaven we'll get the, uh, uh, the straight scoop, uh, they, they, but they just missed that the Messiah would first come and die to triumph over spiritual enemies. That's why Jesus rode in on a donkey and not a stallion. One of the prophecies in Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. And so there's your messianic prophecy. But there's two sides to that. Your king coming to you, righteous and victorious. But then there's the other side, the lowly and riding on a donkey. And this all, we, we don't have time today to get into this, but in Jewish teaching, uh, there's two potential comings of the Messiah. One is the conquering king. Or one as the suffering servant. And so uh, we, we're, we're not that far apart in what we believe. The idea of a Messiah is uh, originally the Jewish idea. Christianity didn't invent the idea of a, a Messiah. That started in the Garden of uh, Eden uh, with Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.15 that uh, out of your seed Eve will come one who will crush the head of the serpent. That's happening this week. We're memorializing that this week on Passover and Resurrection Sunday. So the rabbis have always taught that Messiah would come one of two ways. In the clouds if they are worthy, but if they're unworthy, he'll come riding in on a donkey, which is how Yeshua came, Jesus came, into Jerusalem on the great Shabbat, or what we now call Palm Sunday. But what uh, most people have never been taught, you've never uh, had anybody connect the dots for you, is what we see on Palm Sunday on the great Shabbat is a fulfillment of Daniel's famous prophecy in Daniel 9, the famous prophecy that Gabriel gave to him on what's called the 70 weeks. And so the great Shabbat Palm Sunday, according to Daniel's prophecy, are at the conclusion 
of a prophetic countdown. Uh, in Daniel 9, 24 to 27, we, I wish we had a, 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 a lot of extra time to go into this. I've taught on this at different times. Uh, but Daniel 9 gives us the prophecy that foretells when the Messiah would appear. And in a nutshell, uh, Daniel's prophecy speaks to a time when Israel would be in captivity, but come back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple, rebuild the city. And Daniel says there's, this is going to take place after 69 weeks of years, or 483 years. Uh, and at that point, the anointed prince is going to be revealed. So when you do the math, this prophetic countdown takes you right to the time of Jesus who is the only messianic figure alive in Israel at the time that these 483 years are counted down. From the time of Nehemiah until the time of Jesus, 483 years. Matches perfectly Daniel's prophecy and these 69 weeks. But I mentioned there's a 70th week. And God uh, has Daniel, has Gabriel divide this prophecy into two sections. 69 weeks and one week. And this one final week, uh, a week meaning uh, seven years, is pointing us to the tribulation. Amen? So, uh, and and. There, you know, different people have different uh, uh, takes on this. We'll find out in heaven which one is uh, actually uh, true. But Cyrus made an earlier. Who heard, has heard of Cyrus? He made an earlier decree. Ezra made a decree about going back. But it was Artaxerxes uh, who gave an edict to Nehemiah and. Uh, you may not know this, but Artaxerxes, the king in Persia at that time, is considered to be Queen Esther's son. So this makes a Jew who would have been taught by his mother to favor Jews to be the one to give the edict to Nehemiah, return, rebuild Jerusalem, restore it to its original glory. So in God's master plan... The Messiah enters Jerusalem, according to Daniel's prophecy, this countdown of 69 weeks of years, 483 years, it lands, uh, some say, at 32 A.D. Give or take, you know, I mean, the calendars have all been kind of screwed up over the generations, but... Uh, in Daniel 9, 483 years later, on that Palm Sunday, fulfilling Daniel's prophecy, Jesus rides into Jerusalem as the Passover Lamb of God. The anointed prince is revealed to break the power of sin, to break the power of the enemy, so that God's people could be free.
So the first 69 weeks terminate with the first coming of the Lord on Palm Sunday. This is Great Shabbat. This is Passover. These are the spring holidays. The spring holidays reveal Jesus' first coming. Why why all study that Jewish stuff? Because it's Bible stuff. (laughs) And God shows us through the holidays plans to redeem us. Both for all of eternity, but also while we're going through life. And uh, God doesn't want us to go through life suffering. He wants us to go through life building our faith. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Anybody in the house today part of the church of the Lord? Then He's building you and I with anointing, with wisdom, with favor, with power. All the promises of God. But what about this 70th week? which most Bible scholars teach will usher in the second coming of the Messiah. This final week of Daniel uh, comes at the end of the age, at the conclusion of the seven-year tribulation. There's one final week, which is really, in prophetic language, it's seven years. The week, seven days, is really a seven-year period, which is the exact period of the seven-year tribulation. That hadn't happened yet. It seems like it's happening right now in some ways. With all the madness and craziness, the Antichrist crowd has come out of the closet. But this 70th week of Daniel uh, is, culminates with what Malachi the prophet calls the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Go over to Malachi 4. In Malachi 4, it talks about the great Shabbat. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. That's a spiritual thing. It can happen in your particular family, but it's really speaking to the relationship between Jews and Christians. And it will turn the hearts of the children to their fathers lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So what's so amazing is that ancient wisdom teaches that this great and dreadful day of the Lord is the great Shabbat, which we just celebrated. And God is prophetically showing us certain things are going to happen before that great and dreadful day, before the judgment day happens there's going to be a lot of other things happen yeah the antichrist crowd is rearing its ugly head but how many of you know that god is also going to release a spirit of elijah in these last days elijah is the one that took on the prophets of baal and took on the prophets of ashtoreth 
And God is saying to you and I as believers, as we get ready to enter in uh, uh, to these last of the last days, I don't want you hiding out in your home living by fear. I did not give you a spirit of fear. I gave you a spirit of love. Love one another. I gave you a spirit of power to overcome every enemy. And I've given you a disciplined mind to be able to discern the difference between what's right and wrong and good and bad and godly and ungodly. So may we all be bold. Amen. Elijah was bold, and in the last days, Christians need to be bold. The righteous are as bold as lions, Proverbs says. So... The very first great Shabbat was a great and dreadful day for Egypt uh, because it launched this great redemption, this great salvation, this great deliverance. And P.S., for the, the group that says there was no grace in the Old Testament, this is a picture of a gracious father setting the captive free. Amazing grace happened in Egypt for the Jewish people to come out of their bondage. It was impossible on their own. You're not going to defeat Pharaoh any other way except by an act of God. And in these last days, as that spirit of Pharaoh, that Antichrist spirit, as we're uh, uh, going through the signs of the times, the birth pangs that are leading us into this final seven uh, 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 year period, God wants you and I to have our vision right, to have our thinking right. That we are not broke, busted, and disgusted and hanging on till Jesus comes. We will occupy until He comes. We are a victorious people. We are an overcoming people. And we will fight the good fight of faith to our very last breath. So the very first Palm Sunday, Great Shabbat, The enemies of God were judged. And ancient wisdom tells us prophetically it's supposed to teach us about the final redemption, the last days. And and this is what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 10. In verse 1 it says, Brothers, I don't want you to miss the significance of what happened to our fathers coming out of Egypt. What's the significance? A lot of things as we're learning today. In verse 6 he teaches these things took place as prefigurative historic events. In other words, what you're seeing happen then is going to repeat itself in the last days. It may look like the devil's winning. It may look like the devil has you right where he wants you. But our God is almighty. Our God is all powerful. Nothing is impossible for God to turn your story upside down. That's why it's so important to put a guard on your ears. Be careful little ears what you hear. Put a guard on our mouths. 
Don't repeat the curses of the world. Repeat the promises of God. Don't call everybody and tell them how bad it is and how big the mountain is. Speak to the mountain about the size of our God. Ancient wisdom says in the sun, the month of Passover, the world was created. The bondage of our ancestors ceased in Egypt. Whatever bondage is going on in someone's life right now is about to cease. If, if they'll claim it by faith. If they'll claim it with a covenant commitment. You don't have to sacrifice a Passover lamb. That's why the New Testament is a better covenant. (laughs) By faith, we can appropriate it. All I have to do is believe what Jesus did during that Passion Week. How He defeated every enemy and how He has given me the keys to the kingdom so I can overcome. I appropriate that by faith with confidence. And my words match up with my thinking. And if you're thinking strays and you're thinking how bad and ugly, they're not much good, there's just too much bad and ugly. You need to go Clint Eastwood on that. Start going Clint Eastwood on the enemy. The great Rabbi Rashi taught that the great day is the day when the Messiah arrives. It is the beginning of the yearned for end of days, the final redemption. The connection to Passover is that Passover was our first redemption from our first exile in Egypt. But the Haftorah prophecies about the next and last redemption from our present exile. So for Jew and Christian alike, the great Shabbat, The first Passover are a shadow and a type of the final redemption. It's a prequel to the book of Revelation. Just like with Egypt, the strong hand of the Lord is about to move again. And every enemy of the gospel who does not repent and come in line with God is going to experience the wrath of God. And while all of that's happening, deliverance to God's people is going to happen. A deliverance from the world system. Those who rebel get the great tribulation. Those who have a covenant commitment get a great jubilee. When divine order is restored. And the world, that's what Revelation's all about. It's showing us that the world is going to return to its rightful original owner, Jehovah. And all that you see with those 21 plagues is the world resisting and fighting. At any time, they could just say, I surrender! (laughs) They don't. So, why connect the first redemption with the great Shabbat? Well, there's, there's a number of reasons, but uh, one of the key reasons is that the Sabbath, Shabbat, is more than simply a day of rest. It has 
prophetic significance, end time significance that connects us to the secrets about the last days and the messianic era. You see, what we don't get into a lot because it gets complicated and, you know, over the years the devil's tried to water down the church. So, look, I just want to hear that Jesus loves me and go home. Well, he does love you. Hallelujah. But don't go home. <laughs> Learn some more. <laughs> Study to show yourself approved. Study so you learn how to walk worthy of the calling of God that's on your life. Many uh, Bible teachers, Jew and Christian alike, for century and centuries, uh, have taught that the seven-day cycle of creation points to a 7,000-year cycle for the earth. The seven days of creation point to something greater. Points to a a 7,000-year cycle that will happen on the earth. Prophetically, each day of the the week represents a thousand years. And the seventh and final thousand-year period is known as the Great Shabbat. The Sabbath Millennium. The thousand-year reign of the Messiah, as Revelation calls it. And ancient literature, you can go online, you can read all afternoon uh, about uh, these things. Uh, But ancient literature uh, is filled with all kinds of teaching that the world is to exist for 6,000 years, followed by a final thousand years, which will be like a Shabbat. Where all the promises of God are meant to manifest. The joy, the peace, the blessing, the healing, the prosperity. Any blessing of God that you can call on and think of or cite to in the Bible. It's supposed to manifest itself when you light those candles on Friday night. Yeah. Come on. So... I can remember back in the 80s when we just gave our lives to the Lord, it was either Charles Capps or Lester Summerall taught on this. And, you know, a a, a young Christian, a young guy, I'm still kind of young, taught about the 6,000-year lease on planet Earth. And I didn't understand it all then, but over time, you know, you just keep digging. You just keep searching. You just keep reading. You just keep studying. You enrich yourself and empower yourself and equip yourself so that basically you're training for reigning. Amen. Amen. And uh, so the 7,000 year period, the great Shabbat. This is the secret behind how many of you know the Apostle Peter talks about this in 2 Peter 3.8. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. If you're going to forget a lot of things, don't forget this. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. Now, 
why say that? Did he just pull that out of thin air? Or was it just like, oh man, Peter, you ate too much fish that last night at the fish fry, and you know, you got a stomach ache and it's messing with your mind. Actually, from Psalm 90, verse 4, that's where that comes from. From the psalmist in, in Psalm 90. For a thousand years in, this, in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and a watch in the night. And so, this speaks to this thousand year period of unprecedented blessing. The millennial reign of Christ. The Sabbath millennium. The great Shabbat. And Peter says, don't forget this. Well, a lot of us had never even heard this. I ain't even heard of such a thing. So God's plan for mankind includes living in this predetermined 7,000 year period that parallels creation. Six days and then the Sabbath. One, uh, six 1,000 year periods and then the Sabbath millennium, the great Shabbat. And we've been building up to this. Right? We're building up to this. And right now, we're feeling, man, the end could come at any time. And if you think about it, it was 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham. It was 2,000 years from Abraham to Jesus. And it's been 2,000 years from Jesus till now. We're right at that 6,000 year period. Yeah? Amen. That's a good thing. That means that uh, uh, the rapture and the second coming are close. I mean, it's conceivably possible that we'll go into the Sabbath millennium, we'll go into the rapture and then the Sabbath millennium, this great Shabbat, real soon in our lifetime. Yeah? I mean, come on. How many of you are ready to meet the Lord in the air? So this is quite a prophetic journey. I've kind of given us a reader's dot, condense a lot of things into one forty-five minute teaching. But just remember that the great Shabbat, Palm Sunday, isn't just a, a cutesy nice thing to get ready for chocolate bunnies and colored eggs. It's meant to stir ourselves up that we are more than conquerors. That God is working in our lives and He's working out His prophetic plan so that we will occupy, conquer, uh, overcome, and achieve great things and do great exploits all the way up to the time that we're caught away and forever with the Lord. Amen? Pharaoh might think that he's got us. Satan might think he's got us where he wants us. But not on our watch. We are going to fight. We are going to pray. We are going to see revival. We are going to see signs, wonders, and miracles. And uh, the enemy won't like it. Too bad. 
That's what you get when you mess with us. Amen? So one final thought. When Jesus rode in to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, He makes an amazing statement concerning God's timeline and prophetic plan. And you can read the whole thing in Luke 19. Uh, in Luke 19, uh, 42, 43, I'll condense it down to the, uh, to the last uh, phrase. Uh, he's basically saying the enemy is going to win because you did not recognize the time of my coming. Because you did not recognize the time of God coming to you. What happened then? We're going to see history repeat itself, except not for us. Because we are going to recognize the signs of the times. We are going to recognize that as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, as, as all these prophetic signs come together. I'll give you one real quick one uh, in these last... Jewish wisdom says Abraham was born 1,948 years from creation. 1948. The Bible says that he entered into the promised land at the age of 76. If you add the 76 to the 1948, some mathematician tell me what you get. 2024. 2024. You know, is that the final piece of information that's been sealed into the last days? I don't know. But it tells us there's a lot of reasons to believe we need to stay ready. We need to stay prayed up. We need to be evangelistic. We need to share the gospel. We need to love one another. And when the Master comes back, He's going to catch us doing something good. Can you say amen this morning? Well, if you believe that, give the Lord a praise.